0: To Vice After Dark. Hello, I'm John Lurie. Hello, I'm John Laurie. And I'm basically a painter. I concentrate on painting. And I got a call from the people advice to do this. And I had seen their show on HBO and was incredibly impressed with it and felt that I had to do this, that it was, these were good people to be involved with. But my question actually is, what is this? I'm not sure what this is. I am now sitting in this room, speaking into this microphone to perhaps nobody, and perhaps millions of people, I have no idea, maybe maybe that doesn't matter, but uh, if I just sit here and give you my opinions, that kind of makes me Rush Limbaugh, and I I don't want to be Rush Limbaugh, I don't like Rush Limbaugh, and uh, so I'd like you to call in. I would like you to call the number 347-474. 0415, and tell me what you would like to hear when you get home from work and your boss has been an asshole. What would you like to hear on this show? If you have a better idea, I mean, a better thing would be something that would be good for the world. But I might not be your guy there to really help you with that, But but, but thoughts like there will be no edible fish in the ocean by 2048. I mean, my mind just kind of stops there. I hear that fact and I just kind of can't continue after that. I can't, I can't, I can't think. I don't know what to do, so I, you know, in order to go through your day, you have to block that out of your head. But if you're like a genius and you have some idea of what, what, what could, could do some good, then please do call in. Also, if you can sing two notes at the same time, you must call in. Because I have a, a project that will make Charles Ives spin in his grave. So, here I am. I'm not on the radio. I'm not on the TV. I'm on a podcast. Which I think is a terrible word. Podcast. Podcast. And even if I quit right now and walk out of this room, I will have been a podcaster. My record will say, I am, I have been a podcaster. There's got to be a better word. (laughs) And then it occurred to me, what if I come on here and I'm just talking into a microphone and I get nervous. I hate to get nervous. I hate that feeling of getting nervous. I I I hate it so much. I mean, you know, when you're flying in a plane and you know the plane's not going to crash, but you hit a bump, you hit a bump and you have that thing, that sensation that goes through my body. I just can't stand it. That nervous feeling, you know, and, and, and I just, I just don't want to be nervous almost no matter what. And the most nervous perhaps I ever was, was, you know, my first guest on the show tonight is going to be Flea and it was his fault because I was playing the Star Spangled Banner at the um, Nets game. They asked me to play the Star Spangled Banner, and I rehearsed it a few times, and I didn't think about it, and I'd been in the studio all day. And I'm getting ready to leave the house, and the phone rings, and it's Flea. And he says, you know, I've done this, played the Star Spangled Banner, it's going to be the most nervous you ever were. And it never even occurred to me I was going to be nervous. And he says, yeah, nobody's there to see you. The only thing you can do is screw this up. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it goes good. The only thing you can do is screw it up. That will be the only notable thing. And so that was the most nervous I think. I mean, I couldn't even get my read on the mouthpiece. I was so nervous. So I don't know. Maybe I'll take a caller. We'll see what happens here. 347 474 Tell me what you think the show should be about. Hello, are you there, caller? Yeah. What's your name?
1: Uh, My name is uh, Ian Hilland. I'm actually in my university library right now. I didn't think this call would go through.
0: Well, yeah, you are actually on the air.
1: (laughs) Oh, shit.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, Ian. I didn't mean to shock (laughs) you.
1: No, that's really cool. I just didn't expect that to actually work for
0: me. I didn't think it was going to work for me either. Can you sing two notes at the same time? Can I say what? Can you sing two notes at the same time? Two notes at the same time. Yeah. How? Here, like, let me try this. Look. Me... Oh, okay. Ah. You can you hear that? Ah. Uh, That's almost it. Uh, Anyways, do you have an uh, idea? Do you have an idea what the show should be about?
1: What
0: this show is supposed to be about? Should
1: be
0: about. Um. <laughs> no. How come I you called, have... the... Ian? How come you I... called?
1: I'm actually, I'm writing a paper about the israeli Palestine conflict and I just came up on my, on Vice, and I thought I would call to see if it went through because I love your work.
0: What are you going to say about the, maybe I don't know if I want to get into that topic right off the top of the bat. But, <laughs> on your on your first show? Yeah, it might just be like, yeah, <laughs> that, that just leads to oh, just, weesh. No,
1: it's nothing, it's, it's just looking for bias in. Media reports on both sides.
0: Oh, wow! That's gonna be a long paper.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty long. And yeah, no, let's, I don't want to get into that.
0: Okay, I, I don't either. I'm afraid to get into it.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, this this is your first this is the first show, right?
0: Yeah, this is the first like seven minutes of my first show.
1: <laughs> and there's no there's no structure.
0: Not yet. I am looking Not for yet. a structure, yeah.
1: What ideas do you have for the structure?
0: Like none. Like absolutely none.
1: <laughs> like none? That's great. Okay. All right. We uh, will be on, right? Okay?
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks okay. for calling, Ian. So,
1: uh, I, I got nothing for you. Sorry, man.
0: <laughs> really? You've been a big help. <laughs> All right. Bye. I've been absolutely nothing to <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Let's take another call. I think you're on the air. Are you there? Yeah, hey. This is a shock, right? Like you just call up and suddenly you're on the air and nobody's talked to you before, right? You're just suddenly like hanging there, yeah?
2: Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be you, John. I thought yeah. it was going
0: to be one of the vice guys. No, there's no system in here to answer the calls in advance. You just get me right away. It's kind of like, whoa, you've opened the door and you're, you're, on, the, you're on the radio. It is a little, maybe it's unfair. And what's your name? James Macamber. Oh, I know who you are.
2: Yeah, we talked on Facebook.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, I knew, I knew, I knew who you are. So, what do you think the show should be about?
2: Oh, well, um, I think the show should be about what you're going to be doing in the next um, few years. If you see any kind of change happening, if you're going to be sticking to the painting, I mean, one thing, one thing that I think—did you do voiceover stuff uh, other than? Um, I know you did that little spot on Spillane. With John Zorn, I really like that. Yeah, and that made me think, man, you got a great speaking voice. And no, I feel no, like, no, uh, I do.
0: I do voiceover work. I've been doing voiceover work for for a while.
2: Oh no shit! For for what companies or
0: uh, for who? You know, I had Lyme disease and I was really, really sick. And I had this great voiceover agent, and he he was worried about me, and he got me the job doing Animal Cops. And it was like I could really, barely, yeah. And I used to do the voice for Animal Cops, and then. um I was um, uh, Molson Ice and um, Toyota Corolla. Now that's moving you forward. What else? I did a bunch of them. What was the last one? Toyota Toyota Corolla. Yeah. I like the. Well, but you're supposed one. to call up and give me ideas for what the show is about, or unless you can sing two notes at the
2: same time. Is that is this not jogging your uh, your mind? I mean, I guess you've already done the voiceover shit, but, uh, I mean, what, what are you going to I'm doing not looking for that? career what?
0: advice. I mean, I, excuse me? Excuse me? Well, I'm asking, I guess. I'm asking what you're going to be doing because I'm not. I don't have a clue. I mean, I'm painting, basically. I'm painting. I came back here to do this, and then I'll probably go back to painting. Um, that's kind of what has m- my heart at the moment is the painting. All right. I think we're going to talk to somebody else. Bye, James. Hello? He's gone? Hello, are you there?
3: Yes. Yeah. Who is this? This is Robert.
0: Hi, Robert. You're on the air.
3: All right. This show is genius.
0: Well, not yet, but it has the potential.
3: <laughs> well, we've already had a show about nothing, so I don't know. Knowing that especially who's going to be on, I'd say you start with the mundane.
0: Okay. Where are you? San Francisco. How is it there?
3: Nice as always. I moved here two years ago from Minneapolis. It's heaven. I I did my forty-three years in the Midwest, paid my dues, and now I'm out here.
0: I was born in Minneapolis. And... Yeah, it's a great town. I I left when I was young. Congratulations on the World Series, by the way. Thank you. Do you care?
3: Yeah, it's nice to have a winning team. Uh, sort of, you know, at that stage, yeah, it's fun.
0: What do you think the show should be about?
3: Man, with you. Uh, that's a tough one. Like I said, I'd start with things like the mundane. I mean, you know, the more bizarre, the better. I mean, you know, I don't think... Well, you're mundane
0: and bizarre are really far apart, don't you think?
3: Uh, you know, I'd love you to talk about zines at some point, right? They are like the pre-blogs. Most people don't don't remember those. Uh, you know, those, it's, a, it's the era of uh, the birth of Xerox machines and Macintoshes, and you go into record stores, and people would leave these three magazines uh, that nobody knew
0: who published them or whatever. I miss Xerox machines, yeah. I hated fax machines, <laughs> but I, lo- I miss Xerox machines. All right, Robert. Um, can you sing two notes at the same time?
3: I can try.
0: Go ahead. Uh, That's pretty good. Here, let's do it. Uh, I, I missed it. I don't have it. <laughs> ah, shit. All right. Let's say goodbye, Robert. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, are you there? People would
3: leave the magazines, uh, that nobody who published them or whatever.
0: I missed it, Oh, no, I'm hearing back the recording of before. This is strange. do you guys hear that? Can you hear? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, we had a technical weirdness. Um, what's your name? Nick. Hi, Nick. Where are you?
2: Alabama. You ever been here?
0: Yeah, but not You've much. Been here before? Yeah, but yeah. not much. I yeah. Where in Alabama?
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm from just a small town of called Dothan, but I'm in a university town now of Auburn. You know the football team? Yeah,
0: Auburn. I know. So, yeah. Do you have any ideas how I can make this a decent show?
2: Uh, Well, I always like uh, sad people calling and looking for advice. You know, you think you could give advice.
0: I could give advice, I think.
2: Yeah? But, you want to hear my story? Do
0: you have a sad story? I don't know. No, go ahead. I don't
2: know if it's sad. I got a story, though. All right, go ahead. All right, about a month ago, I got engaged, right? This girl I've been dating, she's a Mormon, The religion. I'm not, you know, I don't really have much of anything. But she said yes, and and uh, she said yes on the faith that one day I'll become Mormon, and I honestly don't ever foresee that happening. And we're still engaged, though. Uh, and that's kind of where I find myself. I tell her that it'll never happen. she says, that well, we're not going to get married, this, but we stay engaged. And it's just kind of uh, gut wrenching, because I love her, but it seems like there's something holding us back, and it's her religion, you know.
0: But does she love you?
2: Yeah, yeah. If she wants to get married. She loves me more than anything in the world.
0: And why does she and want? You, why does she want you to be a Mormon?
2: Because, because part of her religion is that the one she marries, marriage is a big thing in her religion, the one she marries must be Mormon as well.
0: Did you happen to read that John Krakauer book, of Under the Banner of God?
2: No, I haven't
0: whoa you should read that um
2: yeah it's worthwhile
0: well it's just a terrifying book about the start of the religion though uh, i don't yeah, yeah she, I, mean,
2: she I, I, you, I she loves you she
0: should I, marry you what the hell you she could you know but you don't
2: I, that's I'm, what I'm saying yeah
0: well but obviously she thinks something different so
2: yeah part of me says like hey break it off and then she'll realize like Oh, then she'll, like, realize that what she really wants is, you know, to be with me. But who knows? It's a big thing in her mind, you know, her... You know, something she's had her whole life, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I... So what what are you asking me, actually? How can you trick her Uh, into marrying you?
2: No, I guess there's no real advice for my situation. Uh, Maybe there's the part of, like... Cutting it off in hopes that it'll come through, but then then I'm stuck. Not in if, like you a I mean, if you love
0: each other. I mean, you you love each other. You got to figure something out. You, I mean, you know, no. Yeah, maybe maybe there's way You do play some heard, game you know? of cutting it all. I hate that game. You know, oh, I'm gonna make it like I'm gonna end it with you, so you come after me. That's a fucked up game. I, yeah, and people I agree. play that all the time but look the last thing I want to be doing is doing having a radio show about romantic advice because I mean I'd really rather have an arrow in my head because I'm not, I'm not the guy for that was, how old are you? 23 you'll be okay you're 23 Fuck it, man. You're 23. If you love each other, it will pan out, and the religion and God and everything else will be with you. I mean, but don't play any games about leaving her to make you, yeah. But, geez, I've got to hang up on you because this is really not my, my my area of expertise.
2: There you go, man. Thanks for that's what the show's not
0: about. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Give me another one. Quick. Hello, you're on the air. Hello? Wow,
4: I'm on the air. Yeah, Beyond. sorry, I'm so, wow,
0: so am I. Huh?
4: <laughs> let's let's kick this up a notch we've, we've got all these stoners calling it we got a.
0: I didn't think any of them were stoners actually i don't think ian was a stoner or a robert or i don't think there any of them were stoners
4: well, No, you know that might be an unfair assessment on my yeah. part you're right I, the college kid calling in with his paper and and yeah, that's a generalization on my part but uh wow man this,
0: this what, is, uh, what's this your is name what's, what's your name
4: uh this Andrew, my name is Andrew. Where are you, Andrew? I am in northern
0: Massachusetts. Where in northern Massachusetts? A uh, little town called Kingsborough. I never heard of it. You know, I went, to, I went to high school in Worcester.
4: Did you? Okay, okay.
0: It's not okay with That's me. Wild.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, nobody seems to Is it nice where you are? About Worc- it's, uh, it's a brisk fall evening. Did the leaves already fall off? They, they have for the, the most part, gone. yeah I, I miss it every year, I'm sorry to say, anyways, what what do you think the show should be about well I, I definitely need to hear some stuff
4: about high school in worcester. I think that that's uh that'll start a national
0: conversation <laughs> um High school in Worcester I, wow you got you gotta have something I have too much. <laughs> and I don't know what I want to say. Yeah, high all. school Best in Worcester. I mean, no, nah, I can't do that. Can you sing two notes at the same time?
2: Uh, yeah,
0: that was almost it. Was that your yawn or was that your your attempt? That uh, was a combo. Uh, yeah. All right. Yep. What, what What do you think the show should be about? High school in Worcester? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Flea is my first guest, um, but who would you like to see as as another guest?
4: Uh, former presidents are a good start. You, well, might you, think, some you think
0: I could get one of them to do this? <laughs> I didn't say of the U.S. No, but it has to be practical. Well, oh, you didn't say of the U.S.? A president of somewhere else? Exactly. Could could be... Like R- who? President of... Uh,
4: well, I'm certain you could find a president of your own fan club, but
0: uh, I don't even have yeah. a fan
4: <laughs>
0: All right. I forgot All your John, name. Take, What's your no, name again? Andrew. Okay, Andrew. man. Take care, Andrew. Take it easy. Bye. This is a disaster, right? Why are we doing this? No. I, how did you talk me into doing this? I am looking at the producer. Let me just tell you something. That Our producer here is Ryan Grimm. And he talked me into doing this. And if you get hung up on, Ryan is the one who decided to hang up on you. Ryan, is, his nickname here is The Hatchet. And um, so don't blame me if you get hung up on. But, um, yeah, this is, this is probably the weirdest thing I ever did. Go ahead. Let's have another one. Hello, you are on the air.
5: Hey, John. Who's that? My name's Andy.
0: Oh, I thought I knew you. I thought I recognized your voice.
5: Uh, well, I've I've heard all your music. You've never heard my voice, but oh, okay, uh, I
0: thought you were somebody. I you know you. You sounded like Tom Kruger for a second there.
5: Oh, no kidding. <clears throat> no, no. I've been. Uh,
0: Where are you, Andy? To,
5: I'm in uh, Virginia.
0: Where in Virginia? Char- Charlottesville. I've never been there. Have you ever been to Roanoke, West Virginia?
5: That's, yeah, that's in Virginia too. It's yeah, in Southwest Virginia. Virginia. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I just really made a fool of myself. Um well, can, we, can we edit that out?
5: Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah.
0: So, what how, what do you think would make a good show on this thing?
5: Well, you know, I follow you on Twitter, and and you're all over the place with Twitter, a lot of political stuff, um, where you're at, just you know, you. I usually I think,
0: delete the political stuff like a like 20 minutes later.
5: Yeah, I delete a lot of the stuff I do on Twitter, too. <laughs> but I'm one of those guys that, you know, man, I got, when I was, in my teenage years, got Boy for Chunk on uh, Night Music, and, you know, watched the Backyardigans with my kids, and I'm like, that's Lurie. No, that's my and brother you know, Evan,
0: that's my brother Evan uh-huh. does the backyard Backyardigans, yeah, but he does a nice job,
5: yeah. And, um... Was I was gonna say, uh you left voiceover work, you also did a mobster show.
0: Oh yeah, I did mobster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. And I was gonna ask you too, like you just recently did um the thing in New York and there was a sort of a, an African band that covered violence lizards and I was wondering is Ante- there any way? To Ante- that?
0: Ballist, uh yeah, they did a whole they had a whole sort of a festival of my music with a bunch of people, Bernstein and Michael Blake and uh and Antibalas, and there was a string quartet. I mean, no, it was kind of great oh, yeah. what happened in New York. That was a nice thing. But I don't know how you, I don't think that. I don't know if it was properly recorded. I mean, I'm sure there's a sure. board tape, but
6: yeah. And then there My was buddy, the thing I, at Town
0: Hall, was which was really kind of incredible. What?
6: Yeah, I was gonna
5: say like way way back, uh, buddy. He did a soundtrack to a movie, and I don't think you can even find. Online, like what the name of the movie was, but we um, we did a remix of it and um, and tried to mail it to you. And your manager at the time said, "John only listens to CDs." And at that time, we could
0: only <laughs>
5: <do> <laughs> how long tape. ago?
0: How long ago was this?
5: <laughs> this was in oh man, this was probably early nineties. <laughs> my god, who knows who that was?
0: But what 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 do you mean? What it was a movie I did the score for?
5: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah
0: and but it had no name.
5: I've tried to look it up because a, a friend of mine had it on vinyl and you know we were big into the lounge lizards and all the stuff we were doing and then we were playing around with uh just electronic recording and manipulating sounds and things like that and so we we picked a song and and did some weird stuff with like reverse cymbal sort of whooshy well, sounds and different things and then my friend was ambitious and he's like oh dude we should send this to John and then um and then he got an address, and then we set, we tried to contact him and all that. So I I can't remember what what the movie was. It was something pretty obscure. I could probably find out. I'll ask <laughs> All
0: right, man. Thanks for calling.
5: Oh, I can also sort of do two notes. I can do that. Okay, oh, go, go ahead.
0: Oh, is that for real? Whistle. Is that with your voice?
5: Yeah, but it's a fake whistle, sort of like. Do it again. Of,
0: do, it it again do it again. Do it again.
5: Oh, man, I love
0: you. Okay, if we do this again, if you, we're going to be on next week, uh, next Wednesday at the same time, and I may really try to work this thing out. So if, if we do, you have to call back in. All right?
5: Okay. All You're right. my friend on Twitter, too, man. I'm, I'm Andy Tonitor. I'm the guy with the, the frog and the guy that said I, I played the, your react song for my daughter. No, no, no,
0: no. I need the number. We need his number. If, we're going to call you if, if, if you don't call next week and we do the two notes thing. All right.
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bye, Andy. All right. Does this not concern anybody that it's been all men? That's a bad. That's a bad sign, right? Because women are shy to call. Why do you think that is? You can talk. No, you won't talk. All right. <laughs> what we got? Go ahead. Hello, you're on the air. I mean-
7: Oh, this is fantastic. Oh, what? this is
0: fantastic thing. You. you know that we've had 940 men calling you that you're the first woman who's ever been on the show. And, you know, I'm the
7: first woman that's y- ever y- been on the show? Yeah, but
0: I've got to tell you, what's happened here is that the people from Vice had tied yeah. balloons and flower petals in netting in the ceiling, and when you called, they released it, and it's all falling down, and it's incredibly beautiful. I wish you could be here to see this. I, I'm just anyways what's your name
7: my name is Grove G-R-O-V-E
0: how else would you spell Grove
7: well I know but some people don't always hear it the first time around so I'm often in the habit of spelling it oh,
0: okay <laughs> and what, what do you think the show should be about
7: oh man um I thought for sure when you asked me that question that I would have a great answer for you you but thought I it would anymore. come to you, you the at you e- uh,
0: <laughs> but did you have an answer before and it got knocked out of your head
7: well, here's something. Okay, so you keep asking the guests if we if they can sing two notes at the same time. Yeah. Which I cannot do. No way ever. But have you seen the documentary on Paul Pena? No. He's the gentleman who he wrote um, "Big Old Jet Airliner." Mm-mm. You know that that song? No. <laughs> oh, I know
0: who that is, though, but I don't know that right. song. But anyways... Well,
7: did that, that chant, the, the, um, the chanting, where they, that, that guttural throat chanting where they could do multiple yeah. notes at one time. Yes, it's beautiful. It's
0: amazing, yes.
7: Can you do it?
0: Sometimes. Really? Yeah, but I mean, I'm live on the radio here and I, I, I have to find it and see if I can do it. So hold on. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, uh, no. Uh, (laughs) no i can't do it shit i was doing it at home i had three notes at once at home and and now i mean i guess i'm having uh what do you call it performance fuck up what there's a little
7: anxiety well i don't really
0: have anxiety but i'm just not hitting it now and i just i could (laughs) do it at home but uh all right you know what i'm gonna have my first guest is gonna be on here in a minute um do you have any ideas what the show should be about you have no idea about what the show should be about
7: what, are you asking specifically about? What you should discuss with Lee?
0: No, no, that'll be oh. fine. But what this should okay. be in general? I mean, I'm just I'm unclear what this should actually be.
7: Well, I'm unclear about what you're asking. I mean, are you talking about a topic you'd like to discuss? Or are you talking about an entire nah, the overall
0: map your thing? Show? The overall thing, like what should it be? Because it's just it's too much work to sit here and talk for an hour and a half. Right. And then you right. know. Right. And then you have guests on, but then what they're usually promoting something, I don't want to do that. But I want. Right. I, it's just kind of fun to do this, but then it's kinda of scary too. But all right, Right,
7: because then you open yourself up to strange things like, you know, it, has, uh, it hasn't been advice.
0: Ba- it hasn't been bad so far. There's been nothing ugly, but uh,
7: Well, but, I've been listening since as we could turn it on as fast as we could and it's been great. I mean, it's, it's been so great been interesting. Well, yeah, I think it's been interesting. I don't think there's anything about it that hasn't been worthy of listening to. I think it's been a good show. I you do don't think there's anything that's been direction. worthy to listen
0: to? Is that what you said?
7: I'm, so, I'm sorry. Say it again?
0: Did you say there was nothing that's been worthy to listen to?
7: Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry if I did say that. I misspoke. I meant there's nothing that hasn't been worthy of listening <laughs> I to. I think... It's been a very good show. Yeah, okay. Thanks, gross. <laughs> um, I think but. it's interesting, but I do think, you know, perhaps... Um, Having a theme would be kind of cool. You know, maybe you could just say, so today's theme is, mm, what do you think about GMO labeling on food? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. And then your callers actually have something to think their teeth in. Yeah,
0: fair enough. I mean, maybe I will do that. I mean, the idea of the first show was like, what do you think the show should be about? But I don't think anybody has said anything about that yet. But all right. Right. All right, Grob, I got to.
7: That's a a big question, you know.
0: It's a hard question. It's a hard question. It's a hard question. Well, where are you, Grove?
7: I'm in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida.
0: I've never been there. Is that on the water? Oh,
7: man. It is. It's beautiful. It's It's beautiful. a a wonderful secret little space. um, But then don't tell people about it
0: on the radio if it's a beautiful secret. I Because everybody will come there. I know,
7: right? I should keep it quiet. (laughs) I live on
0: this beautiful island, and I don't tell anybody where it is because I don't really want people to know because there's very few places left on the planet that are beautiful i got to say goodbye, though, Grove. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Did the homeboy call here yet? No. So my first guest on this is going to be Flea. And I met Flea a long, long time ago. I I guess 1982. I was in Hollywood doing um, my first big film score. And they hired the weird guy from New York, but then they hired somebody else to make sure I didn't screw up. And, and this guy was basically doing the orchestration and hiring the musicians. But I wanted this really, really funky stuff to happen on the bass. And I was looking for a funky bass player, and I called Matt Dyke, who ran um, Delicious Vinyl. I said, I need a really funky bass player, not some L.A. session guy, but a really, you know, oh, you got to hire the Flea you must fire, you must hire the flea. And he was like so adamant about it that I was almost suspicious. But I call this kid the flea and he comes by and we meet and and he's going to do it. And then you're supposed to play, you know when you're doing a movie soundtrack that you've got like, you've got got the strings coming at one o'clock. And then you've got the trombone player coming at at 3.15 and the the bassoon player. And you've got to really schedule it out. Otherwise, you've got people waiting and you're paying for them while you're waiting. So people have to come on time. And so it was Flea, I think it was Hillel Slovak and Cliff Martinez. And they showed up three hours late. And they knew they were fired. And they kind of walked in just kind of looking at the floor. And the guy yelled at them and they left and that was that. And then a short time later, I was, in, I was in New Orleans doing Down by Law, and they came through and they were on tour. And so I sat in with them on the saxophone, and I played with them the whole night, and it was kind of went great. You know, they, they played these grooves, and it was fun to play. And um, I played the whole show with them. We go backstage into the dressing room after the show, and they're like, this tiny little dressing room like six feet by eight feet and they're all ripping off their clothes yelling, socks, socks! But I don't know what the hell's going on. And they take off all their clothes and they go running back out with just, you know, like a sock over their, over their genitals to hide their genitals but they're basically naked. So I think, I can't do the whole show and not do this. That would be really phony of me. I have to go back out. So I take off my clothes and I'm getting ready to go back out and I've got these long socks from barney's these knee length socks and so my my sock just hangs down below my knees and i go out there and i'm playing and it's gone you know i'm really like you're naked and you're playing on stage you really play so i'm out there and i'm playing and then flea comes over and says the next section is a vocal breakdown don't play so now i'm out on stage and i'm naked and i'm not playing you know what, what what am i supposed to dance I'm not in Chippendales, I'm not, so then I went running off, and you know, had that, that sensation where a thousand pairs of eyes, because they weren't that big then, there was only like a thousand people there, so like you could have a thousand pairs of eyes staring at your ass as you go running off the stage, you could actually feel it like it's burning a hole in your ass. But that's how I met the, my first guest, who is still my friend to this day, if he remembered to call. Did he remember to call? Are you there?
6: I just got here.
0: <laughs> you just got here, where, where are you? <laughs>
6: Well, I'm sitting in my car in the street.
0: You called me from your car
6: yeah well i i uh I was in the Korean spa, and I knew that it was time to call you and here I am
0: That's how you do this this kind of stuff. It's like, oh, I'll call, man, you're really in show business. This is just like this is just part of your day. This is a big deal to me. This is just part of your really? day, huh.
6: I know, but that's why I'm here for you. You gave me my starting show.
0: <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> there must be something else we can do.
6: Yeah. <laughs> well, how's the show going?
0: I don't know. It's really bizarre. I've been taking these calls, and people call, and I talk to them, and it, uh, it's probably good All when right. I forget that I'm on the radio, and it's probably bad when I remember I'm on the radio. Do you know what I mean?
6: Right. Well, do you get to edit it? I mean, like. No. This is live. It,
0: this is happening right now. Oh, that's great. Well, it's, yeah.
6: So, um, so what are we going to talk about?
0: Well, I would thought we would talk about basketball. But I should explain to people that you're a Lakers fan, and I'm a Knicks fan. And at the, game, the season is like seven, seven games old, and uh, both teams have had five-game losing streaks, and they both suck. And so we can't really talk about basketball. Plus, but I do want to say this.
6: Yeah, well, we could talk a little bit.
0: All right, well, what do you have to say?
6: Well, I have to say, as much as I've always hated the Knicks and wanted them to slip and go blind and, you know, get terrible to do-do, I, now that they've got Derek Fisher and Phil Jackson, I, I feel a strange love for the Knicks. It's a, it's a weird... See, I knew that feeling. would
0: happen to you. Yeah, but that's not... You can't hate the Knicks and then they get people you like and then you like them.
6: I know, but it's not just that they've got players that I like. They've had many players that I like, you know. Um, but now they have Phil, who I love, as sort of their sensei and their guru and their master. And they have Fish, who's just one of like the, the humble workhorse of love.
0: You think he's going to do okay so, as a coach?
6: It's hard to tell, but... I, he had as much to do with the the five, you know, he got five rings with the Lakers, and he had as much to do with those as Kobe or Shaq or anybody just by his ability to bring the team together in times of
0: No, football. he's it's a really, really solid, intelligent team player. No, he's great, but, I mean, as a coach, especially with this group, the Knicks really just have a problem. They just have, they really seem to have psychological problems as a team. But I, mean, I want to say this. The Knicks Knicks have sucked forever, and in a painful way. Sometimes they've even had talent and sucked. And you have rubbed my face in it. You have laughed at me. So the Lakers have had great teams, and they've had shitty teams, but they've had a lot of great teams. But the Lakers suck now, and I'm not rubbing your nose in it. But you, But it's so painful when when your team sucks, and then your friend calls up and goes, ha, 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 your team stinks. And I just want people to know. know that you really are the epitome of evil to do that.
6: Yeah, well, you know, especially like when I come, when the Lakers aren't doing well and I come over to your house and I watch them lose, you have sympathy for me. You're like, don't worry, they're going to be better. But when the Knicks lose, I just, I'm like, you know, that's because they suck. Know, and like, you really so do do that. Evil. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, in every aspect of my life, I really strive to be a selfless, kind person. I I, I try hard to, you know, dedicate my life to uplifting other people. Actually, you know expensive. what, you know sure. what, I,
0: you really are that. You really are. Well, thank you. You really thank are you. an I, amazingly supportive. beautiful person, except when it comes to this incredible flaw that you have of rubbing my I foot.
6: know, well I, well, I just look at sports as the one place where you get to be a complete childish pig-headed moron, and I really favor being that in sports. I
0: think that's fair.
6: And I, I like being irrational and mean spirited and arrogant and you know a heckler. You know, you know, Chris Paul uh, yelled at me the last time I was at a Lakers game.
0: Tell that story. You're telling this to me, but go ahead. Tell. It to, go ahead. Say it.
6: Oh well, I sat. I was on the side of the court, and Blake Griffin was at the free throw line, and I was screaming my guts out. Blake Griffin, you're terrible. You could win. Bring- win 20 championships with the Clippers. This would still be a Laker town. You're always going to play second fiddle. And and uh, Chris Paul walked up to me in the middle of the game. Walked right up to me. I was sitting courtside. So came, put his face like right next to mine and started saying, yeah, this is always going to be a Laker town. You're right. It is always a Laker town. i like, doing some weird whammo reverse psychology on me that really threw me for a loop. I just was like a deer in the headlights. I lost all my you know, my ability to, to, to speak, I couldn't, you know, I, I mean, I wish I had that moment again to, to have a good retort, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you
0: yeah. realize how unfair that is. The guy's playing, and you're saying, the hometown crowd will never like you no matter what you do. That's not yeah, fair. Do yeah. you it think you just, could ever be a Clippers fan?
6: Never. Never. I would, rather, I would rather, wipe. you know, I'd rather wipe my butt with a cactus with every the- day for the rest of my life.
0: A cactus, is that what you said? Yeah. But Doc Rivers, I mean, he's really a sympathetic character. I like Doc Rivers.
6: Yeah, Do- but it's not a matter of, there's lots of sympathetic characters. Blake Griffin's a great basketball player. But the point is that, you know, there's something to real to be said just to be speaking with your team through their, their, their bad times. Well, that, and, goes, that goes completely
0: well, against what you just said about hating the Knicks and now you like them because Phil Jackson and Derek, Derek Fisher are there.
6: Well, that's what I said. That's one little weird flaw in my channel. Man, this has but, only been like a
0: seven-minute interview. You've already completely contradicted your philosophy on this.
6: I know, but this is sports. I can do whatever I want, and they're all <laughs> the way in New York, and nobody cares. In, in Los Angeles, if you grow up in L.A., right, and then all of a sudden you flip over to the Clippers, you become a Clipper flipper. When uh, just because the other team's doing well after years of them being like, you know, head by First thing, they threw out this completely like racist. Yeah, fair enough. War. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, then you can't slip over to this guy just because they have some loudmouth tech hair
0: now as their owner. He seems like his head might explode. That guy. <laughs>
6: um. So. Wait, wait. Anyway. T- t- tell oh, me. It's beautiful,
0: you know. Tell me what is beautiful there? Where are you sitting? Like out on the street somewhere?
6: Yeah, I'm on the corner of... Uh, no, don't
0: say, don't say where you are. This is live on the thing. Don't say where you are right now.
6: Well, I might I might some hot girl mix over here with no bra
0: on. That could happen. Okay, you want to say where you are? No. <laughs> okay, don't say where you are. Tell me a little bit about your school.
6: Okay, well, you know, man, I've been talking about the school all day, but... Do you, well, no, if you, say don't, say you
0: don't have to if you don't want, but I think the school no, is no, a I really be, beautiful thing that you to do. I love to talk
6: about the school. Yeah. I, thank you for bringing it up. So the school is a nonprofit music school in Silver Lake, in the Silver Lake neighborhood of Los Angeles. And it's just a school that teaches music. It's not about being famous. It's not even about learning music as a means to an end, you know, to be a great performer, to have a career, or anything like that. It's just about the educational process of learning music because it's a good thing to do, and everyone should have the opportunity to do it. And, you know, also part of our mission, too, is to keep all the, you know, the orchestral instruments alive, so, um, you know, because every kid mostly just wants to play guitar or drums or a synthesizer, you know, so we, we give out, you know, we have 700 students, about 300 of whom go for free, and, you know, we, we, we have an orchestra, so, you know, we teach all, you know, clarinets and violins and violas and cellos and bass clarinets and all those instruments that, that. You know, as time goes by, kids just aren't learning how to play them. So um, it's really important for us to to try to keep those instruments alive and just to to give kids an opportunity to have a music education. It, it started because you know, I went to public school here in l a and when I was a kid, I was a pretty bad kid. you know, I mean you know my story. I was like on the street robbing people and you know, on drugs and doing all this ridiculous stuff. but you know, I got to play music in school, and it really gave me you know, something to believe in and something to work on. What did, what did you play I first? Play.
0: You played trumpet, trumpet first? Yeah,
6: yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be a jazz trumpet player until I met Halal and that all changed. But but my point is that, that you know, shortly after I graduated high school in 1980, they passed this this law uh, like Reaganomics in California called Proposition 13, where they cut out all the arts funding to public schools in Los Angeles and, like, the school that I went to, you know, when I played in the orchestra and the marching band and the jazz band and the theatrical production band and the choir and, the, you know, whatever I could do, they cut it all out, man. And kids couldn't get instruments. You couldn't do anything. And so I just, you know, I was just determined to try to do something to help fill that void because I knew there were a lot of kids like me who that would mean everything to, you know? And
0: what what ages are the kids?
6: They're, they're all ages. They, You know, as soon as a kid is old enough to to practice and to take care of an instrument and to just, you know, have the self discipline to deal with it. And that's kind of different for for lots of kids, but they're, they're about seven years old, six years old, is the, the youngest when they're really ready to do that, you know. And then we have you know, we have old people too, it's for anybody that wants to go. But and we have you know but they can't but the, and,
0: but the kids don't well, do normal school there, they just go for music stuff, right?
6: Yeah, they just go for music and we have private lessons, and then we have ensemble classes. We have an orchestra and a children's choir and an adults choir, and we have a contemporary music group that does, you know, more like, um, you know, contemporary like youth culture and just and um, yeah. And know, so they, they go, go after, after school.
0: school. They go after school.
6: Yeah, yeah, they go after school. Yeah.
0: But then, if after a kid school, if a kid's obviously. not paying for classes, then do they sort of and they end up not showing up because there's do they do that?
6: Yeah, well, for the kids that the kids that um, sorry, that beeping, For kids that go for free, for all the scholarship kids, if they start not showing up, then they'll lose their spot.
0: They lose know? their spot.
6: Yeah, yeah, they got to show up, you know, because um, there's a lot of kids that really want to get in there, you know, and um, it's amazing. Like, it really taught me a lesson that if you have a good idea. You just got uh, to follow through with it, because, you know, I've had a lot of bad ideas, and those always, you know, you try them, and then they just fall apart, but if you have a good idea, like a music school, it just, people are just are so drawn to it, you know? We started it as this little school, and now it's just packed, and it's it's such a, a hub in the community, you know?
0: And it's such a cool thing um, that you did, man. I mean yeah yeah you except for your things with basketball and then oh then do i have do i have to give you a hard time about the super bowl you want me to leave it alone
6: oh no you can give me a hard
0: time about well you look i went through an incredibly hard time and you were always there for me and you're a rock star And that your heart was always in the right place must have been incredibly difficult for you with people pulling on you. And you do the school. And you really are kind of like a beautiful character. And I just sort of thought, if there is a life after this one, God is going to welcome you with open arms. But then you lip sync music at the Super Bowl. So now I feel like it's kind of a wash. You're kind of starting all over again here.
6: Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, sorry, wait, wait, I, wait, I, wait, uh, wait All wait. my good comments are there because we, we were at the Super Bowl? Yeah,
0: I'm sorry. I'm a little harsh on this. I may, I may have my judgments off, but <laughs> I just thought...
6: Well, I, you know, there's different ways to look at it, you know. I mean, it was, the singing was live, but they just, you know, they don't... You actually pulled it like, off. But,
0: you were dancing. You you actually pulled it off. You you, you actually did. Yeah,
6: and we did on. do a special track for it. It wasn't like we just used a record track or something. We did record a lot of it. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like a philosophical discussion, you know. Like, first I didn't want to do it. And then, like, well, it's a one-of-a-kind kind of surreal experience to do it. And then, you know, at least I'm going to let people know for sure. You know, I'm not going to plug in. I'm going to let people know that it's not real so they can see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I thought you
0: actually pulled think, it off. But I was so nervous for you before before the thing. Oh, do you know what you I, know, I did? You, certain, did you hear the beginning of the show?
6: Certain, what?
0: Did you hear the beginning of the show?
6: No, I was in the cream spot.
0: I, I told um, I told the story about you calling right before I went to play the Star Spangled Banner at the next game, at the Nets ne- yeah. Nets, Nets, and you said, this is going to be the most nervous you ever were, and it hadn't even occurred to me I was going to be nervous, and then I was really nervous, you really hexed me.
6: Yeah, no, it's nerve-wracking. I- even I've done it a bunch of times now, because every year I do one Laker game and one UCLA basketball game. And when I did the last UCLA game I did, I left out a whole stanza. Well, no, no, I did a whole stanza twice. Like, you know, it goes... And then I went... I did that whole part phrase again, twice in a row. And Phil Jackson was watching right on the side. You feel again? Crazy. I mean What's you know, John you right
0: You told me I was going to be really nervous and I didn't even occur to me I was going to be nervous and so, okay just put your fingers where don't try to overplay this just put your fingers where you know just da 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 you know just play the melody don't mess around and, and I assumed they were going to have a stinky mic and it was going to sound horrible and I go out and it sounds beautiful and I go I got this oh I got this and then I blurped and I I, I blurped a note and then I skipped a line and it still sounded beautiful and I kind of recovered but I'd screwed up and it sounded really beautiful and then who who was the the next coach was Calipari Calipari and the refs were so taken what I played that they came running over to say and I don't think this happens very often that was beautiful and I went "Wow!" and no wait wait. on New Jersey TV I looked at the ceiling and went I it up!
6: I can't believe I fucked it up! <laughs> and they <laughs> said, looked at me like I, I was love... it. Up. Huh? That's what I did when I fucked it up. People were complimenting me and I was like, I fucking blew it! I blew it in front of everybody! That's what you do!
0: I... And then I, I went I went walking...
6: Know, I was talking to this guy today, but I gotta tell you this. I gotta tell you this. This guy wrote a whole thing about how Marvin Gaye you know how that's the greatest anthem ever done, and it's the uh, you know it's the uh, the high benchmark of anthems, and that no one else should be allowed by law to do any sort of you know extrapolation, any sort of improvisation around that the banner. Only Marvin Gaye, that should stand. No one else should do it. Really simple.
0: No, nah, the best is Ray Charles before the Leonard Duran second fight. That's the more, I mean, I get chills. Did hey. you ever see that? Oh, he does. Oh, beautiful, Ray Charles before well, the Duran. Anyways, am I interrupting I your story?
6: No, 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 but that's not the national anthem. That's America the Beautiful.
0: Still, but he did it like, you know, as a thing for, you know.
6: Right. but well, I agree I with but but do but Mar- you know Marvin Gaye's one?
0: No. When did oh, he do
6: that, it? That, okay. After the, he did it at the NBA All-Star Game at the Forum in, I, can't, I don't know, 81 or something. I'm not sure of the year. Can I, I see it, it on YouTube? Ch- you gotta, yeah, you can see it. Go When this is over, it's shockingly good. But, but speaking of these songs, you know what really pisses me off? No. Is the God Bless America at the seventh inning of the baseball game. No, what is that all about? It's all about bullshit. It's all about pissing me off. First of all, it's not the national anthem. It's a pop song. And, it's, and if they started doing it, because after 9-11... And there was, you know, a flag-waving fervor after 9-11. Someone did God Bless America during the seven inning stretch. Which and, it made and sense right after 9-11. You
0: know, and, but now they, they feel yeah, compelled all, to do it, and it's just a weird, it's a little strange.
6: Yeah. Well, they all, then, then they all started doing it because they didn't want to be out patriotic by some other team. And so they all started doing it. Then it became this kind of standard thing that they do. I'm like, okay, I can get it at the time. It was like a time everyone coming together. But it's like, I don't want to sing that shit. I want to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game.
0: That's what you're supposed to sing.
6: Yeah. Can you do that thing of
0: Take Me Out to the Ball Game, but removing, like starting at one note, one word late? Did you ever hear Evan do that?
6: No, like like a round?
0: Yeah, but Evan can do it just geniusly. Maybe I'm going to have Evan on next week. Maybe I'll make him do it. It's a... Me out to the ball game. Take me out to. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I got to think about it. It's it's great. It's great.
6: Adam's really a genius, isn't he? I.
0: I think he. I don't know. Yeah, I think he is. He's also just I, I, one of I the sweetest th- creatures on the planet.
6: I know he loves you so much, man. That doesn't much but, makes know, him
0: I, sweet. You dope.
6: I, I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking today about. Um, that story you told about him answering the phone—you know when we did the show in New <laughs> York yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and what was it Did he say he was on the phone to the important phone caller?
0: Yeah, I got to fill up time, anyways. Do you mind? I'll tell the story.
6: Yeah, tell the
0: story. I'll tell you after you hang up. He was Mighty Mouse.
6: Oh, okay. <laughs> I and I just love the idea that you gotta tell a story now. Just tell it; doesn't take long. All uh,
0: right, this is nineteen. 19- 58 or whatever and my father is waiting on this important phone call from somebody and somebody more powerful than him and he's putting my father in the situation of waiting and making him kind of squirm and Evan would be Rin Tin Tin for a week and insist on having his food in a bowl on the floor or he would be Mighty Mouse and my father's waiting for this call he's waiting for this call and finally the phone rings And Evan comes flying across the room and he answers the phone and it's got to be the guy because this is 1958. The phone rings once a day. It's like, you know, it's the call. And I hear Evan goes, no, this is Mighty Mouse and hangs up the phone on the guy. And I go, Evan, what did you do? Evan! But my parents were fine with it because Evan being Mighty Mouse was more important to them than this guy's call. And somehow, yeah. for for what it's worth, that's how me and Evan and my sister Liz ended up being who we are. Because Evan being Mighty Mouse was more important.
6: Yeah, it's so cool. You you, you know what I love about that story beyond like the, the good parenting part of it? Did
0: it's he never lip sync like, at the Super Bowl?
6: Well, <laughs> I know that you guys would both lip sync the Super Bowl if they asked you. So you, I think, you think you think I would do that? Hell fucking yeah! Really? Uh, you know, I, I mean, might if know. I was in the Chili
0: Peppers. Yeah, but, but what
6: if they asked the loungers into the Super Bowl halftime show that you had to flip-sync?
0: I don't think so. I don't know, man, because you're in this Tell other... No,
6: true. You think? Tell the truth. I,
0: no, the true. No, I don't think so, but I'm never in that thing. I mean, one thing that was shocking to me was like when I was playing with you guys and stuff, then we would, have, you would have some new song, but you wouldn't be allowed to play it until the record came out. That really, I was like, it's how... Not
6: like it wouldn't be allowed. We wouldn't want to. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, we're allowed. We can do whatever we want. You can? But, Yeah, yeah. But wait, I had something good to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. The thing about that I really like about uh, Evan's story is that these days, like back then, I mean, like when I was a kid, and you know, I don't know, we're pretty close in age, but like when the phone rang in the house, it was like a big deal. Yeah, no, it the was a big deal. Change. Yeah. Someone's on the phone, like this contraption is ringing, there's going to be a person on the other end, and nobody knows who it's going to be, it could be anything, and it was like a deal, it was like a phone call, you know, it was like someone coming over, it was like, and now it's like, you know, your phone, it's like it, you know, it's,
0: yeah, it's endless, yeah, yeah.
6: everyone's like, has their their phone up their butt. No, and this
0: was a really (laughs) important call, too, and it was like, most parents would have been like, Evan, how could you do that, you know, you're you're punished, but no, they were really okay about it, I'm really impressed still with them
2: about that
0: yeah. hey you know I love you very much did you know that uh,
6: I love you too and I'm 10
0: years older than you I just look good <laughs> I'm exactly 10 years older than you
6: um, is that right no when's your birthday
0: in December 14th I'm you know I'm two months behind your birthday you uh, just turned 52 right yeah I'm gonna be you ran the marathon right when did you run the marathon
6: couple of years ago, I'm training for one right
0: now, too. I'm going to run the Bhutan Marathon, I told you that. I'm impressed with that. So, listen, there's a guy on the staff here who lives in Australia, who's from Australia. There is no place Congo.
6: Yes, there is. No, there's nobody
0: nobody from Australia has ever heard of Congo.
6: Yeah, it's a small little town they don't know about because they're ignorant. It's a fine... Is that really
0: the name of the town?
6: Yeah. The, the town is Maruya, and <laughs> a little a village near off the town of Maruya is like where you go for fish and chips and the health food store and your, your supplies, the hardware store, and then Congo is a small little village by the town.
0: Do people know that you don't eat food? I eat a lot. You really don't. I mean, I live with this guy several times, but when we were in Australia, there's nowhere to go except for that one fish and chips place. The, the guy doesn't need food. I don't. You well, I just did the marathon, food. so you must be doing something right. But you really you don't you don't need food. What when was that, What's the? Did you have any protein today?
6: I did. Well, I'm eating animals now.
0: Oh, you are. Yeah, pig's anuses and you
6: know You don't need any pig's,
0: pigs. anuses. Nobody eats pig's anuses except for in hot dogs hey, there, and stuff.
6: There's, there's an anus in every Dodger dog.
0: <laughs> in every what? <laughs>
6: In every Dodger... <laughs> I can't I even understand a Dodger you. Game, I have a <laughs> when I go to the Dodger game, I enjoy a Dodger dog. <laughs> oh, I it's said a Dodger it, it, dog. It, it, it sounded like... When I said it, it sounded like it would be part of a commercial for the Dodger game. And there's an anus in every Dodger dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're doing everybody <laughs> a wonderful service here by whatever you've just done. That's
6: All funny right. to me. Oh, understand. I
0: saw your movie last night. You were good in the movie Lowdown.
6: Thanks. And
0: it's John Hawks media. is... A, huh?
6: a sad movie
0: yeah it's dark i mean it's hard that movie's hard but but you but you're good i mean there should be more movies like that but uh
6: yeah you you know what I, i i like about it a lot like i mean i think the performances are good in it and like it's a cool like unique kind of movie and it's beautiful to look at but the thing that i really like about it is you know i grew up with those guys you yeah. know, like, my stepdad, who was the main guy who was around for my childhood, he was a jazz musician, and he was a junkie, and we lived in Hollywood in the 70s, you know? And all of jazz musicians that came in and out of the house all the time, and they jamming in the living room and hanging out and, like, drinking and smoking weed and playing standards and playing bebop all day, like, those guys, you know, they were all in this, like, remarkable position, you know, because they, they studied so hard to be good jazz musicians dedicated their lives to it and they just nobody cared you know I mean like you you know you play jazz but you were able to like to make it so it was a relatable thing for people now like you know yeah and I could make records music. and make a living
0: I mean but but also there's a thing I'm jealous of because they were in you know take the drugs out of it they were in the life of it they were living in that music when it was alive and I you know yeah. that's kind of you know yeah,
6: Come the seventies, they weren't like guys that like my stepdad and the guys are around and like the Joe Albany character in lowdown. They they were out of time. You know what I mean? Because these guys were still hanging on to jazz the way that Lester Young played it. You know the way that Pat Navarro played it, and and they couldn't. You know they couldn't get work. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. You know, and they were. Yeah, they had nowhere to go, and they weren't smart enough to like. You know, start something like the Lounge Lizards or. Even fusion or like funk, or they just were, all they wanted to play was you know bebop.
0: I mean, you and know, I came to New York with my saxophone in 1977, and met my heroes, who were all out of work. They couldn't, yeah. you know, and it was, I thought they were stars, and you know, and they were just hustling to get by, and it was just a shock to me. It was like they had nowhere to go.
6: I know, it's crazy, man. I, I I remember, like, like you know, like I listen to these Mingus records, and they're so amazing, you know, like Blues and Roots and Mingus Tom and the Black Saint and the Sinner Lady and all those incredible records. And then you see... And here's footage of Mingus playing the stuff from the Black Saint and the Sinner Lady, you know? And you see him at this gig, like, in the park, and there's, like, 12
0: people. Oh, no, see, that's just terrible. Oh, that I just know, hurts. Right?
6: And this is, like, the greatest stuff that america's ever given to the world like the great american cultural gift and nobody gave a shit oh
0: that is that is heartbreaking actually
6: it's so heavy but then it's like you know and he was actually you know right on the cusp of you know being amazing and and i'm sure you know he had his good gigs too and his popular gigs too i saw him a lot
0: of times i saw him play a bunch of times he was wow, pretty great. Yeah, he was great. You know who I saw that was unbelievable? Was McCoy Tyner with Sonny Fortune and Alphonse Mozan. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that band should have been like so famous. I mean, they would just rip your hair out. But, I mean, if people right. don't care about it, people don't care about it. You can't make people care about it. I mean.
6: Yeah. But I mean, you know, yeah, I know, it is what it is. And there's a lot of it, jazz. It sucks.
0: There's a lot of jazz that's just so fucking pedestrian and ridiculous. And it's like...
6: Yeah. It, it, An academic.
0: An academic. Well, now it's really academic, but... Yeah.
6: But I remember seeing Art Blakey play, man, and I like, I never wanted to dance more to anything.
0: No, that's true.
6: You know?
0: Yeah.
6: Like, I mean, it was incredible. And you know, did it was know it, was it, what I saw that was really amazing, like, just like five years ago and i think he just recently died i saw sam rivers
0: play i used to go by studio uh, rivby all the time he had that place on bond street you could just go and be there and he'd be doing yoga on the floor and then you know practice the saxophone for a while now he was was
6: like it was like his 90th birthday
0: is he still alive
6: no i think he died recently but he was like you know jumping up in the air and Running over the piano, then picking off his horn, and then running over and getting on the the drums. You know what I mean, like switching instruments and so excited. Just a beautiful
0: thing. Yeah, Sam Rivers was just a beautiful guy.
6: Yeah, Uh, you know, yeah, it's exciting, exciting.
0: Anyways, what should my show be about? You're supposed to call and tell me what the show is about.
6: Oh yeah, well. Oh yeah. Oh no, I I think you're above about. Oh, I'm above I mean, about. A, you're above about. That's I mean, a nice that's a nice quote,
0: but he's above about. <laughs>
6: yeah, I everybody's mean, gonna know, like, you know, it should be about a beach ball. I don't know. It's like you're you're Marvin Pontiac, you're John Lewis, you're the man with the pyramid and semen. You're Dr. Shh, Hammerhead
0: Don't tell people about that. What the fuck is wrong with you? All
6: the right. Pyramid from the eighties.
0: Should we say goodbye? We may about Isn't it weird that uh, people are listening to this as we talk to each other? And it's just as uh, irritating as all of our conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, can you do me a favor?
5: Yeah.
0: I have to go to the bathroom and it's far. Can you talk right, for five minutes ahead and ahead. entertain people while I go? All right,
6: well, no, that's not fair. That's, not fair. that's
0: not fair to you. That's not fair to you. All right.
6: I'll, so I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. If you have to go, I'll do it.
0: Sure, well, we could just play a piece of music or you could just talk. You gonna talk really for real? Okay, right, I'll talk. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is Flea. I'll be right back.
6: are we really doing? Yeah, so I want everybody to know uh, I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm talking. I'm in Los Angeles, and this is my home. And everywhere I drive in this city, everywhere I go, every corner, and every street has a memory. Right now, I'm in this little area um, kind of like the rampart district, just as you get towards downtown. And when I was in the 80s, this is where I used to come to buy heroin. We'd come down here and, like, you know, and buy heroin. And I had one friend, and I can't say his name, um, because uh, it wouldn't be right. But this guy, he came down here to buy some heroin, and he, he had, he, I don't know. Yeah, he's buying heroin and he had run out of dope and he went to get more, but he didn't have any money. So he pulls up to these gangsters in the street where they sold it and he was going to buy some dope, you know, and, and they knew him, so they're like, hey, and he rolled down the window and he said, what's And they put the dope in the car and he looked at it and he just drove away real fast. And, you know, he ripped off these gangsters. Goes home, he does the drugs. The night's going by, it's like five in the morning, he's like, damn, I want some more. But you know, And he's so ridiculous, he goes to the same place to rip off the same guys again. And he pulls up, rolls down the window, the gangster guys open the window, hey, what's up? They reach in, grab the keys from his car, and throw him down the street. He wakes up like two hours later, just beat to hell, lying naked in the gutter, and um, his car gone, everything gone. And That happened right in this neighborhood where I'm sitting right now, so... That's what I have to think about, but it's funny when you live in a town, even as sprawling and weird as Los Angeles is, everywhere I go, I have memories, you know? Do you know that in Los Angeles, there's this one bird, and I I hear it in Hollywood mostly, but it's in the city, and it goes, I guess it goes, And um, I said, that's the sound of home to me. When I hear that bird, that's the sound that makes me feel like I'm at home. So I just I'm traveling around the world and I'm on tour and stuff. And I come home and I hear that. It's a very comforting sound to me. So, uh, Don? Oh. I, uh, I just came out of the Korean spa. I'm getting ready to go to a uh, birthday dinner for a friend. And, um... John's coming back. I hear him coming. He's a nice man. So paintings are great. what wh- are you back? Uh,
0: yeah, I'm back. What were when you saying?
6: I get my huh? I was I was talking about LA. About like I was sitting here and I was thinking how I had a memory on every street in this town.
0: You didn't get your painting yet?
6: No, but I think it's coming actually. The show closed. The right? show
0: closed, yeah, you should get the painting.
6: Yeah. No, I'm excited. I, I, I'm excited to get
0: that thing. I was hoping you were talking about my paintings the whole time.
6: No, I wasn't. I was talking about this bird that goes...
0: Hey, can you sing two notes at the same time?
6: No, but I know a guy who can whistle three.
0: There was one guy who sang, who did three. I don't know how he did it. All right, boy. Yeah. All
6: I'll, right, ca- so, uh... I'll
0: call you later tonight.
6: Yeah, call me later. I'm going like to a dinner thing and then I'm going uh uh driving out to the beach.
0: Oh well what are you doing next?
6: Like now I'm going, I gotta go to I no, gotta go. No, no. I
0: right? mean, you know, career wise, you're going on tour, you got a record Oh
6: Making a record, making a chili type of record. What's it called? Dunno.
0: You don't know the name? No,
6: no. We haven't we've just been writing it, pretty much written, so we gotta record it.
0: You know, I played on one of the Chili Peppers records and I flew out to L.A. to do it. And then Flea called me and said, your part is still on the record, but only a dog can hear it.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Rick Rubin, man.
0: Rick Rubin did that to me. And now he doesn't know why I don't like him.
6: He, um, you know, he's not, this is going to be the first record we're making that he's not producing.
0: Good. He mixed me off your record. Yeah,
6: yeah, you know, I, you know, <laughs> it was, I, I, I don't think that I, well, I, huh? I, I didn't. I didn't handle the situation as well as I could have.
0: Either did I.
6: Not the mixing part, but the whole recording
0: thing. But I didn't either. I mean, I, I, yeah. Let's. I'll talk yeah, to you about that later.
6: I, I had that other gig. I had that other gig on the same day. That was my no problem.
0: And then Rick Rubin comes in and says, oh, just play like you're at a party. It's like, this is the great producer, Rick Rubin. Just play like you're at What, the, what does that mean?
6: Anyway. All right. Like uh, some guy at some other party, like warbling in the background? <laughs> yeah, I
0: guess. I don't know. All right. I'll talk to you soon. I'll, t- I'll call you in a couple What's hours.
6: It would be better co- if you told you to warble.
0: I could warble. All right. Bye. All right.
2: All right.
6: Bye, John. <laughs> bye.
0: Exhausting. So this is like live on the yeah. But I'm gonna play a piece of music now. This is called "Scary Children." Oh, mm. um, well, there it goes. Mm. on and we on and we on hi oh yeah take that down yeah hello um if you want to call in the phone number here is 347-474-0415 we're on for another i'm probably going to play another couple of pieces of music that last thing was called scary children you know this is a weird thing with with having a podcast. You need to have the publishing rights and the sync rights, or you can't play stuff. It's like with the people stealing music from everywhere. But I can't. I, my, my idea of of doing this was to play a lot of music, but I don't have the rights to do it. So. So I was going to play, you know, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan and Astor Piazzola, Umu sangara things that. You, people should know about, and I I, I couldn't do it. Um, And so I can only play my own music. So as egomaniacal as you might think I am, I'm being forced to only play my own music. So that was Scary Children by the Lawrence Lizards. And um, I'm going to take a couple more calls and then play some more music, and then I'm going to go home. Go ahead. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi, you're on the air.
3: Hey, how you doing, John?
0: I uh, I hate that question. What's your name?
3: <laughs> Stefan.
0: Hi, Stefan. Um, where are you?
3: I'm uh I'm in New York. I'm on First Avenue actually.
0: First Avenue and what?
3: Uh between uh 6th and
0: 7th. Oh, could you run over to the fried chicken place on 2nd Avenue and 2nd and pick me up something?
3: I think they closed, man.
0: No. Mm-hmm.
3: Most good shit closes.
0: Most good shit does close. Anyway, do you have an idea of what I should do with this show?
3: I do. Uh, I love the idea of you playing songs and talking about, I don't know. I, I think it would be a good idea for a show if you would play some of your favorite songs and then talk about them. And I, can't, I can't, though. I
0: can't, though. We can't? No, because it's a podcast, and it's almost like having it on TV. You uh, have to clear so all the nice. rights. So you can't just play stuff, I, and that, that's kind of left me with... Nowhere to go. I really wanted to be playing music on here, and then I can't do it. I can only play my own stuff, which you know uh, I don't mind doing, but but it wasn't what I had in mind. Unless right. unless unless you know my producer Ryan the Hatchet can come up with some money and can clear rights on stuff. But any other than that, what do you think the show should be about?
7: Oh uh, well,
3: I don't know. I'd love to hear you talk about some of your favorite tracks. players. I know I I remember I read the art pepper autobiography isn't that an amazing life. book that art it's pepper fucking it's it's what
0: it's amazing in the same way as that crumb movie is amazing where exactly. he's so honest and as disgusting unfairly, as he is, brutally honest. but I love that. And you kind of end up hating him, but still loving. He has loving. no remorse about being no, a
7: junkie. Well, only, not only no no, that, Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. He was a peeping tom. He was. He would go around and show his penis to people, and then he would look in the windows at women undressing, and he would talk. Somebody talked about (laughs) it. Somebody had to trick him into being that honest. But I loved how honest he was about that stuff. Did you ever read Doctor John's autobiography? No, I haven't. I mean, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a book called "What Do You Know About Music?" You're not a lawyer, and it's basically almost finished. And I thought, you know, I thought that as far as musicians who write go that mine was pretty good and that I had one of the more wild lives and then I read Dr. Johns, he had the job of taking, oh this is horrible, taking the remains of abortions, illegal abortions and dumping them in the canal. I'm so sorry I said that live on the radio, but it was just like, it was just so shocking. And then he was in jail, and some record company took his music that he was half finished with and released it. Well, I'm surprised what? he didn't kill people for that. I mean, I'm, I mean it, it, they released, he had these tapes lying around that weren't finished, and they released them while he was in jail. He had it, mm-hmm. he had it, and once, I gotta tell you this, we were playing in Poland, and Hungary somewhere like that and he opened for us how embarrassing and what? he had this band just three of them and they hovered off the ground not the hits just that new orleans grooving thing oh my god it's just what music is supposed to be it's just like and the magic just touches you and goes i mean dr john and it was just these three guys i don't even know who their names were and they just hovered they just hovered they just hovered, they just hovered. Oy, oh, man, it was just a beautiful thing. Anyways, I got to go. What's your name? All right. Stefan. See you later, Stefan. Oh, I know Thank you. you I know
3: your big bar. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: Steph, what's, what's your address? <laughs> 75E7. 75E7. Stefan, yeah, he ball. just won mm-hmm. the award for the, he doesn't really have a dive bar, but he just won the <laughs> award for best dive bar, and he's a good guy, um, and he's been a sweetheart to me. But I didn't. I didn't realize it was you until just now. You're not calling from your yeah. car, are you? Can you believe the Klee call from his car? No. What
3: an, what how? Jesus. Well, but he, I mean, yeah. I guess he's got shit to do.
0: No, he doesn't. <laughs> All right.
3: Thanks, Stefan. Right, it was Bye. a pleasure.
1: You're doing great, man. Oh, thanks. All right. Yeah.
0: Hello. You're on the air. Hey, John. Who's this that? This is Raccoon. Uh, Raccoon. I know who you are. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any I've ideas? I've been listening to the show tonight. It's a disaster, right? Uh,
1: I wouldn't it oh. a disaster. It's just kind of, you know, you're working it out. You're trying to figure out what's it going on. It is a little
0: awkward. I mean, I feel a little awkward. I mean, it was just like, i got to keep talking. i got to keep talking. It, it is a little odd.
4: Yeah, but it, once you start going, I think um, you're going to find your way. First of all,
2: having a guest is not a bad idea. That went pretty well. Well, what, he's easy. I mean, police? and
0: I love him. I mean, he's easy. But that thing at the beginning, and I just, I mean, you know, I re- I, I treated, kind of rehearsed kind this. Of, well, I mean, I rehearsed this stuff. It was kind stuff. of funny, though. Which part? <laughs> the the calls or the first first part.
4: Yeah, the calls were kind of funny, especially the guy asking for advice.
0: About- <laughs> I like that. I like that. And that was an interesting question, actually, to me. Maybe I should right. have like, uh, you know, an advice thing.
2: But look well, at what a disaster
0: yeah. my life is. I mean, well, who, would, who would turn to me for advice? Right. What? Shut yeah, up, John. I mean, oh, right. the show? Was, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> thanks, John. Thanks for calling Raccoon. <laughs> how, much, how much time? What's that? Are you still with that pretty girl you were with on Facebook?
2: Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, geez, that's about too that. bad. Huh? I told you about that. I know,
0: I'm just getting even with you for what you just did to me.
2: Oh. Call. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Well, uh, I also think you got a lot of good stories, so I think you can start Yeah, off but here's some, the thing.
0: Yeah. I was going to tell one at the beginning, but then it was like I suddenly felt forced doing it. It was just like as I'm talking. Yeah. You know, I'm just sitting here talking to this microphone, and then it just began to sound kind of phony, and either you Whoa. rehearse a story and it sounds rehearsed, or because you're not really talking to anybody, so it's i gotta find well, that. I got to find what that is, I guess.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think it's seen. If it's rehearsed, it's not going to be too bad. You can um, you know, think about it beforehand and then have it lead into something, you know, maybe a piece of music that you wrote, since you only have the rights to your own music.
0: Maybe. I mean, you know, I guess I was a little nervous at the beginning, and then it was just like, it's just a hard... You know, I have I had to do this a few times where I had to talk into a camera on TV... Yeah, and while I was doing it I was thinking if you can pull this off and which you probably yeah. could but if you can you are the phoniest asshole in the world if you can look <laughs> into a camera and talk to it like you're talking to a person there's something wrong with you every time you see Don <laughs> Lemon he's talking into a camera pretending he's talking to a person there's something, <laughs> right. there's something wrong with people who can actually do that and, 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 and this is a little bit the same kind of thing Anyways, I only only got seven minutes left. John, I'll talk to you later tonight.
2: Okay, I'll see you, John. Bye. Bye.
0: So, so, all right, so the show is almost over. Um, I'm going to play something for Nezrin from the Marvin Pontiac record, and then I'm going to play... I think I'm going to close every show with the first and royal queen, but the Marvin Pontiac record is actually me. Marvin Pontiac is me, and um, I made this record where I sang, but I can't sing, and I didn't want to draw attention to the singing. I didn't want to make it like John Laurie sings, and so I created this character, Marvin Pontiac, and I asked people, you know, to send me quotes that would go with this guy from the '50s that I invented, Marvin Pontiac, and I asked Bowie. And he's Bowie. And a half hour later, I hardly know Bowie. He, I know he came. I was in Last Temptation with him, and he came to see the lounges a couple times. Half hour later, he faxes me an eight-page story about meeting Marvin Pontiac. I mean, this it kind of amazed me. I got quotes from Beck, Flea, Angelique Kijo who's on the record, you know, a whole bunch of people, and I wanted Bob Dylan to get up a quote, but he said no. So I needed somebody in that in that kind of genre. And I was booking a trip to South Carolina the next day and it was kind of a hurry. And I realized that, oh, Barb, my travel agent, she's Leonard Cohen's travel agent. I'm going to ask her for Leonard Cohen's phone number. And Barb said, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that. I said, okay. So call me back about the house. So a half hour later, she calls me back and she says, OK, here's the number, 310. 310- so I think I'm calling about the house. But I notice that the number's in L.A. 310- I'm getting ready to talk to the guy about the house that I've got to fly to tomorrow. And a voice answers the phone. Hello? And it sounds remarkably like what you would imagine Leonard Cohen sounds like when he answers the phone. Hello? And then my idiot brain kind of realizes, you have just called Leonard Cohen and you are not prepared to talk to him, hello. And so I did what any rational person did, would do in this situation, I started to laugh and then I hung up the phone. And I waited a couple days and called him back and got the quote. But. I don't know, is there any point to this story? This is a song called Small Car from the Marvin Pontiac Record, and it goes out there for Nezrin. john Lurie, this has been vice after dark i will be here next wednesday at nine o'clock and your job is to suggest who would be good to have on the show and how the fuck we can convince them to do it thank you very much for listening good night